Hello, and welcome to Growing Together, a podcast where we discuss all things related to church planting and vitality in the Presbyterian Church in America. I'm Chris Vogel, the Church Planting and Vitality Coordinator for Mission to North America. This podcast exists to cultivate kingdom advancement in the PCA by connecting leaders, increasing awareness of the work being done, and promoting growth through discussions on church planting and vitality. Join us today as we grow together. Welcome to the Growing Together podcast. My name is Murray Lee, and today I am joined by Jason Halopoulos, pastor of University Reformed Church in East Lansing, Michigan. Welcome, Jason. Uh, It's good to be with you. Uh, Kyle Hagman, pastor of Christ Church, Toronto, Canada. Welcome, Kyle. It's good to be with you. And Paul Kim, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church, San Diego. Paul, we're glad to have you. Likewise, great to be with you all. So we've got... uh, uh, a important question to ask today, and it has to do with the particular places that you guys are serving and the way that you're interacting with the culture and with non-Christians within your culture. Because the history of the PCA is Southern and and largely Christian places, but becoming increasingly secular. And not only does that present challenges for us, but we are concerned about the faith of our children. You are serving in places where the PCA isn't strongly present in post-Christian places and secular environments and are in many ways going before us and pioneering the way. How can you help us prepare by teaching us about the challenges and opportunities of reaching the lost in these places? Who wants to go first? Paul. Sure. That is a, that's a really good question. Um, I am in San Diego, California. And uh, in Southern California, this is, a, this is right up in front of our faces. And so we, we, we are constantly thinking through uh, spiritual formation. Right. I think one of the things that, we, that um, we have been more convicted of, is especially in our cultural moment, is not to skirt around the issues, but to be able to address it uh, and and do it for us in our context in a thoughtful but uh, respectful but truth-filled way. So one of the dynamics, for instance, is just thinking through like the issues of sexuality. And as we begin to process that, uh, even in our leadership, we do, one, realize not just for the moment of giving answers, but recognize the long-term game of biblical formation. We want people to really understand the scriptures and what it has to say and say, if we believe that the word of God is the infallible truth, let's get there. And, um, and to always, for us, we try to talk about, you know, we all have a worldview. We all have something that we think is our final foundation. So we try to talk about that. Uh, and, and, uh, it's essentially apologetics, but do it in a way that's conversational. I go, you know, we're all coming from something and being shaped by something. So when we talk about these issues, uh, it can feel so strong for people because the cultural um, immersive experience is you don't even know you're drinking the Kool-Aid. But one that we want to tell people is saying, you know what, we're all drinking something. As Christians, we're going to be formed by the scriptures. And if we understand that, then we should pause a moment and go, wait a minute. Uh, it's not about what you feel or what, 
what seems so powerful in arguments of what you see, but what does it mean to say that this is God's word and begin to address that from that standpoint and then um, begin to uh, engage different worldviews and perspectives saying, that's a worldview. Do you know that is based on faith? Uh, it's all based on faith. But here's why we think the Christian story is really compelling. So that's one of the ways that we try to talk about it in terms of our um, philosophy or thinking through. We think it's even more important to go under spiritual formation and then from there use it as a way to then gauge in um, all the different worldviews. So, Jason. Yeah, man, love that answer. Because uh, I was thinking, we, you know, we're on the uh, edge of Michigan State University where there are 50,000 plus students and uh, as they, as we interact with them on campus and uh, invite them to different ministry outreaches that we're doing, and then as we see them matriculate into the church, I mean, what they need beyond anything else is just to know what is true, uh, and they need to hear that clearly. They're wrestling with it. Uh, they're wrestling with it in their classes. They're wrestling with how to think, and so helping them to see, look, we have a reason why we believe what we believe, and we're not moving from this, and this is just true. But here's the other thing that I've often said to University Reformed Church, um, especially over these last, oh, what, three years when we've been going through what just feels like an increasingly polarized society in every way. Um, as I've said, I think our great apologetic in this age, um, it's different than previous ages, where even when I was ministering in the late 90s, early 2000s, it felt like, ah, you were still trying to get people over the hump of different arguments. And whereas now I feel like when they come through our doors, the great apologetic we have is that here we are, diverse people, diverse politically, diverse in our understanding of COVID, non-COVID over these last couple of years, uh, diverse ethnically, uh, diverse racially, et cetera, is that here we are all gathered together on a Sunday morning and we're worshiping the same Christ together, uh, that our love for Christ is more significant than anything else to us. And I think this is going to be the great apologetic in our age where we see a more and more polarized society on every level is that they find us strangely weird as the church, that here are diverse people that gather together, get along together on Sunday morning throughout the week, because there's something more important to them than all of these other things that have us polarized. And I think that eventually becomes a good witness and a good evidence of the fact that we're standing upon truth. Kyle. These are great answers, and I shouldn't have gone last at this point. But I, I, as I think about this issue, at least as it relates to Toronto, Ontario, and Canada, where I'm ministering, I'm beginning to realize that to the average non-believer, the church is not an institution for good anymore. And they're, they're, part of what we're trying to do as Christians and as a church is to confront the fact that they see the institution of the church as something that is regressive. It's something that's moving us back sort of as a society. And one of the lessons that I've learned is that in a secular age, pastoral care is going to have to come before people convert. We're going to have to be very, very, very comfortable sitting with people and not only giving them our apologetic answers, but also helping them through things like alcoholism and marriages falling apart and seeing the Spirit use these as means by which we finally get a hearing with them where they see the church as a place that's good. 
you know, in one sense, it is true when they come into the church, they see a diverse people worshiping the same Christ. But at least in my city, which is incredibly diverse, the church actually, at least by stereotype, would be more segregated than the general society. And they're wrestling with the question, is the church good? And part of that, part of the way forward, in my opinion, at least in my experience, is learning how to pastorally care for people who don't believe yet. It's also another thing that I've, I would say that I've learned in, as the society changes is being very, very comfortable with how complicated conversion is. And you know, the only comfort I get is in Acts, Paul has the same problem with Simon Magus, he, you know, baptizes him and he wants to buy the power uh, of the spirit right away. The, the categories with which is very similar to what both, 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 uh, you know, both Paul and Jason have been talking about, the categories with which they think it will take a long time for them to be truly discipled into sort of a full and robust understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And so in one sense, coming from a secular pagan background, you would hope there's a darkness to light experience, and it's so obvious this person belongs to Christ. And often that, that, that has been the case. But more often than not, there's this season of shades of gray, which might last as long as a year or two, where things like sexuality have to be worked out with a fine-tooth comb. They're very complicated, and they need to wrestle through these things. And I think this is increasingly going to be the case as society moves in more and more of a secular direction. The things that you guys have said are really helpful for us as we think about how to do uh, evangelism and engage our culture um, with the uh, tremendous uh, population increases and increasing in diversity, the rise of the religious nuns, and the the increasing secularization of our culture requires us to be thoughtful about how we engage um, those that God has put around us mm-hmm. and also to equip those within our congregations uh, to engage uh, those around us. So it's not just the work that we're doing, but it's also the work that we're equipping others within our congregations to do. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot to learn and, uh, thanks for your time with us uh, today, guys. Any parting thoughts before we? You know, one thing for me as I think about our church where there's Christians and those who are inviting their friends is um, this is why I think the beauty and the centrality of the gospel is so core. We want to be thinking to Christians, and I, I have three kids who are teens, like the formation part of Scripture and saying, know what you believe, and it is it is. It is solid. Jesus is beautiful. And I want them to have that foundation. But also there are people there who don't have that foundation. And uh, I think what I lo- what it, the Christian faith is, is not only is it true, but I think one of the most powerful apologetics for the younger generation coming up is not only is it true, but is it beautiful. And uh, that beautiful part is what Jason referred to, like this strange, weird community of like, wow, what does the forgiveness of, of grace look like? What does it look like to be people of Jesus? And I think that powerful apologetic of the community and seeing love in action is going to be equally uh, important, even um, as we engage the mind uh, with the truths. Um, I think there's a longing for community and a deep sense of loneliness that, uh, that it's pervasive among so many people. And so how can we uh, not only be an example to that, but how can we embody that um, as as the people of God as we consider this cultural moment? Yeah. So. This has been great, guys. Thanks for stopping by uh, the uh, podcast booth here at General Assembly.
in Memphis, Tennessee. We appreciate your time on this Growing Together podcast. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Growing Together. We hope you found the discussion informative and engaging. If you want to stay up to date on all things related to church planting and vitality in the PCA, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd also love to hear your thoughts, so please leave us a rating and review. Help us spread the word by recommending the podcast to other brothers and sisters in the PCA. To stay in the loop and receive updates, visit pcamna.org slash growing dash together and join our email list. And don't forget to follow us at Mission to North America on Facebook, at PCAMNA on Twitter, and at MNA PCA on Instagram for even more content. Thanks for being a part of the Growing Together community. We'll see you in the next episode.